It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, April 26th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has to say, if the Flyers were only going to get one goal in the game last night, I'm glad it was Kevin Hayes who got the goal. That's fair. We will talk more about why right up next. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. We're going to have a mailbag this week, so get those questions in. On today's show, we are going to talk about Kevin Hayes and the Masterton nomination. We're going to talk about last night's Blackhawks game, and it's Phantoms Tuesday. And there's going to be a thread, I think, that goes between the Blackhawks game and our Phantoms Tuesday. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So it was the primary news out of the Flyers yesterday that Kevin Hayes was the nominee for the Masterton Award. And, you know, I just can't imagine anybody else being the nominee this year. Uh, that's not true. I uh, I voted for Keith Yandel because if you look at what the Masterton is supposed to be, Yandel definitely he's he's in that same mold. He he has persevered. I'm you know you may not like his play, but that's not part of the award. The award is you know you keep showing up the rink, you keep persevering. So I felt like Yandel was worthy too, but I'm fine with Hayes winning. But there was another guy. I guess so. I think yeah, you do make some sense there. I will give you that <laughs> on that vote. I just think that for me, given everything that's gone on in Kevin Hayes's life, plus it was persevering with a lot of injuries this season and coming back. Sure. And honestly, every time he went in there, he tried his absolute hardest. He got progressively better as the you know end of the season went on when he came back for good. And even last night's game, I thought, was indicative of how hard he works and how dedicated he is to the sport. And so I I just wouldn't have voted for anyone else. Yeah, he played a great game. He did. So let's get into that game from last night, which kind of felt like it wouldn't end for a while there because it got Mm -hmm. chippy at the end. But I I do think that there are two main things. Number one, the Flyers just turned their puck over too much and were sloppy with their play. And I think I would say struggled on the power play to finish. I think they had some good opportunities and, you know, got the puck moving a little bit more than they usually do. I mean, I wouldn't say it was perfect, but I think it was a little better. Yeah, nobody wanted to shoot on the power play. That's that was obvious. Like you get four or five passes and then someone realized, all right, I guess I have to shoot. But it was like hot potato. I honestly, my, my take on the game was their better players wanted it more than the Flyers' better players. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happened. Jonathan Taves, that's maybe the best I've seen him play this year. Patrick Kane was In winning. In quite a four. while, yeah. Yeah. 
Patrick Kane was winning board battles. There was a point where two flyers had the puck and Kane came away with it. Things like that, Alex Dabrinkit's goal, like it just seemed like those guys wanted it more. It, it was a close game for a while, but you just never felt like the Flyers were going to get ahead in this after a while. It just, it just, when it was 2 1, it was like they were sort of like in the mud and just sort of sinking slowly. That's the way I, I was feeling. It felt like to me along those lines that at a certain point, maybe halfway, two thirds through the first period, some of the Flyers veterans realized, oh, Taves and Kane are stepping up today. We got to yep. step up too. And that's when you saw Hayes step up a little bit. You saw Konechny take some mm-hmm. shots. Then Lawton got that breakaway. I like It just felt like the Flyers kind of woke up in response to what the Blackhawks veterans were doing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they saw that the what the level was and realized, okay, we're not winning this game the same way we won the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's what happens. You have a different opponent. The Blackhawks were like, we're defending our home ice. We don't care what our record is. And again, they may not be a great team, but they still have some great players or some players that can play great at times. And, you know, that's what you saw here. So this was this was a little bit of an indictment on the Konechny's of the world and a few of those guys, not Hayes, because Hayes had a really good game. But even Van Riemsdyk, he was getting uh, chippy in front of the net. He hit yeah. their goalie. Lankinen and I thought Taves was actually going to fight him and uh, you know at that point I was like I kind of didn't blame him I thought that was a little cheap by Van Riemsdyk there I, I think it was too I think a lot of those guys frustrations really came through in the end there uh, I do want to talk about Felix Sandstrom because uh, that is a topic we will be getting to later in the show relative to the Phantoms and our Phantoms Tuesday but I think in this game, it kind of showed me that I needed more games from him at the NHL level this season, because I think that while he did have a little bit of a shaky start, he really settled in and then made some incredible saves later in the game. Yeah, I think he made some saves that Jones can't make because Jones doesn't have the flexibility or the post to post speed. So I think that's fair. I also think at times some of the Flyers guys got in his way. I mean, mm-hmm. on the Debrinket goal, had nobody been in the crease there, Sandstrom may have at least maybe may have been able to make a play on it. Probably not, but could have gotten closer to it. So, so I felt like Sandstrom showed really well, and this is this is basically why I'm okay if he's the backup next year. But again, there's not going to be enough track here to give him, or at least give the decision makers of the Flyers enough to say, yeah, okay, we could go with him which is a shame if you think about it. It really is. It's so frustrating for me because I agree uh, that Sandstrom would be that good backup option, but you know, we, we know how these sort of things go (laughs) with the flyers. So, and again, we're going to be talking more about that when we talk about the phantoms, but I do think that this game overall was really indicative of the problems that the Flyers will have coming up in terms of all of the key decisions that will have to be made. And it was not helped by the broadcast. I will tell you that with them relitigating. Oh, I had it muted. I I didn't it was brutal. It was relitigating the Yandel healthy scratch decision. They, I think 
had it in their heads that Bobby Brink was the savior of this Flyers team and was going to be everywhere at all times? No, I'm going to tell you what this is. Because they have guys like Butchergrass and they cover college hockey, this is ESPN's bias now towards college hockey. So since Brink was a star in college hockey this year, they figured they would give him that extra push where he really didn't deserve it in this game. Like you said, like I remember on the power play, they were highlighting Brink and I'm like, why are you doing why? this? But I but I know why. It's because of their college hockey audience that they're still trying to sort of say, "Hey, look, we're the college hockey guys here, so we're gonna we're gonna put Brink over because he had a great year." And it's like that was misplaced. It was, and it was obvious. Given how Mike Yo was rotating players and the way he was rolling lines and who he was putting out for special teams, that commentary did not match with right. what the Flyers were doing. And it was exceedingly frustrating. And it, it just made the game very difficult to watch for me personally. I mean, your mileage may vary, as they say. You know, the, yeah, the one thing, um, Joel Farabee's going to have to watch it when he gets frustrated because mm-hmm. there's been a couple of games here now where he has gotten chippy on the wrong side of it. And he could have got his head taken off by Lafferty today. Lafferty's not a guy that's going to put up with that stuff. And, you know, nobody, no flyer was anywhere to save Farabee until Hayes finally got over there. He's got to watch it. He really does. He's got to mature a little that, that way. Well, he'll have plenty of time to think about what he's done in the off season, And uh, we will be getting to more about the future of the Flyers and the issues with the organization overall when we have our Phantoms Tuesday coming up next. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in about 30 minutes or less. Plus, they've got quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes, low prep, and easy cleanup options, and provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, fit and wholesome, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. I love using HelloFresh because you always get something that tastes incredible and is just the right amount of food for two people, or I've got a meal for myself and then leftovers for the next day. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use the code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and the code LockedOn16. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts, including us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So for our, I would say, penultimate Phantoms Tuesday of the season, we had, uh, you know, our usual list of injured guys, but I think, you know, obviously the biggest piece of information was that Felix Sandstrom has been backing up Martin Jones for the Flyers and getting a couple games in. So this past week, he got one game in for the Phantoms on Friday night uh, when he was set down in between Flyers games. So Pat Nagel has been covering the bulk of the action 
uh, between then. And we're going to talk about goaltending in the next segment, but we'll wrap up this last week's action for the Phantoms, including them finally being officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, it was inevitable. Like we saw it coming. It's just, it was a bad season. Like it's just, there's no way to get around it. Yeah. There was some development, but it was a disjointed bad season from the start and it didn't end much better. It's true. And, you know, in, I think, typical Phantoms fashion for this season, they made it as close as possible and as difficult as possible on themselves. Mm -hmm. So they were eliminated Friday night with the overtime loss to Hershey. And it didn't help that Bridgeport and Wilkes-Barre Scranton also won that night. So the combination of only getting the single loser point and those other teams winning was the nail in the coffin for the Phantom season. And, you know, it just it is so frustrating because, you know, they had two overtime losses this week, a Tuesday against Providence and then that Friday game against Hershey that they worked hard during those games, but ultimately I think struggled to just put those games away and then turn around on Saturday and the two nothing shutout win over Hershey. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that game because it was a phenomenal performance in net by Pat Nagel, but it's just, I think one of the things that we've been talking about again and again this season with the Phantoms that they are so close, but just can't seem to put complete games together, which again, sounds familiar because the Flyers have struggled with that this season as well. But when you're in a developmental situation like the AHL for a lot of the players, I don't think it's the best thing for their development to then not make the playoffs in a league where most of the teams make the playoffs. Right. I mean, the first month of the season really killed them. I mean, they... You know, had they won a few of those games, they'd still be playing in meaningful games now. But they were just so bad those first, what, two, three weeks? Yeah. That it really it really affected their whole season. It did. And if you look at the two games from this past weekend against Hershey, polar opposites in terms of the score that we're looking at, but... Hershey outshot the Phantoms in that combination of two games, 73 to 36. Oof. Right? That's bad. Yeah, that's a bad stat. It is a very bad stat. To allow 73 shots against over two games, I think, is there's something wrong defensively there. And I could see it, especially, I think, in that game on Friday. Uh, again, one of the overtime losses that they suffered this week where they just couldn't figure out who was responsible for what. And somebody from Hershey just skates by them twice and has a clear open shot from the low slot and and scores a goal. That happened twice in the game on Friday. And that's a systemic problem. It is. I mean, let's face it. The coaching hasn't been great there. There were moments where we thought, Maybe it was getting better, but they're still making a lot of the same mistakes they made early on. The team really hasn't progressed. And it's not to say you always have to make the playoffs, but show us something. And a lot of the same things that were wrong are a lot of the same things that are still wrong. We've had some examples 
this season of Phantoms players who moved up to the Flyers for a couple of games and thrived a little bit. Even though the Flyers were having their own troubles, you see Isaac Ratcliffe go up and meet the challenge and play better. We've now seen Linus Hogberg move up and play a little better and meet the challenge. We've seen Igor Zamula move up and meet the challenge. And I feel like this is something we've been saying again and again, where some of these guys are playing better for the Flyers than they did for the Phantoms. And you're, and that's definitely on coaching. It is. And that, and that really should never happen because most of the time it doesn't happen. Like most of the time it's the opposite. This was, in fact, the first time I'd seen that happen maybe ever. And we saw it first with Ratcliffe, like you said. And that was kind of like a shock, like, wait a minute, he was having a bad year, but look how he's playing up here. Like, it really was a a complete turnaround. Yeah, and speaking of Isaac Ratcliffe, he reached the 10-goal mark with the Phantoms this season, which is not a ton of goals, let's be real. No. But he's only the eighth Phantoms player to reach 10 goals this season. Uh, And it took until the second to last week of the season for him to do it, for Maxim Sushko to, to do it and Wade Allison to do it. Now, th- those guys have all had injury problems, so they yeah. haven't had a complete season. But nonetheless, you know, you only have eight players. Cal O'Reilly is the only one with 20-plus. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of goals. And, you know, O'Reilly is, is a good AHL vet. He's, he's great at that. He's, yeah. I think, been, you know, from our AHL regulars, He's yeah. the only one I think that has stood out and played really consistently well. I mean, Logan yeah. Day does okay on defense, I think, and Clendenning was okay. He was okay for half the year, and then he kind right. of really dropped off. Right, but I, I've you know Garrett Wilson maybe as well. Yeah, I think had a had a decent season at the AHL level, but you need more of those guys who are supporting your prospects in order for them to succeed at the AHL level and a system where they can work together well. And literally none of that (laughs) happened to this season. It didn't. It it was almost like this year. It's like, Hey, here's our prospects, Lappy, um, make them all players. And, and it really was a mishmash. It didn't really happen. And there has to be a better plan going forward next year because development now is super important when you're a team that's missing the playoffs every year. So, if you're missing the playoffs and your development's bad, where are you? Exactly. And we talked about this on the show last year before you were here, Russ, and this year, the special teams have been absolutely atrocious. How do you expect players to learn to work within a special team system to then advance to the NHL level and just be able to plug and play and be successful? Yeah. The only thing that Ian LaPerrier changed was the PK. That got a little better. It did, and and this past week, I would say they were pretty successful. Um, yeah, they only the, allowed power play. Yeah, they only allowed one power play goal for the whole week, which is yeah, which is pretty good. And I would say I do want to give them some kudos for that game against Hershey, mm-hmm. uh, the second game against Hershey with the the shutout. Hershey had seven power plays, and they did not succeed once. So we will give them that credit. No, they deserve that. But as far as the actual power play. Brutal. Yeah. It's been brutal all year. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. No. And you would think that there would be some sort of collaboration or coordination between the Flyers and the Phantoms who are both struggling. That's saying. Well, sadly, I think there has been. I think there has been because they, they stink on both levels. <laughs> well, 
I don't know if they're collaboratively bad or separately bad. If it's through osmosis, if it's through, I mean, Ian LePerrier happens to be the one guy that had worked at both levels. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, that is a fair point. All right, we are going to continue our Phantoms conversation, talk a little bit more about that shutout game because it was pretty phenomenal on Saturday. So we can give them a little bit of credit, plus talk about goaltending coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only the only brand the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low to every customer from expert mechanics to beginner to do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, getting into that two to nothing shutout from the Phantoms versus Hershey. Mentioned 42 shots on goal from Hershey, no goals. That performance by Pat Nagel was absolutely phenomenal. 42 saves in a shutout is a Phantoms record for most saves in a shutout. And, you know, Hershey had a minute and 20 of five on three in the first and three minutes and 20 seconds of a six on five at the end of that game. And Pat Nagel stuck it out. I mean, he deserves um, a job offer now for next year before the season ends, like he does. Uh, will he get it? I just don't have a feeling he will. And that, that's my question going into this offseason for the Phantoms and you know, talking about goaltending depth for the Flyer system in general. Because to me, Pat Nagel has been one of the huge upsides to the Phantoms this season. And... I was really, really nervous when they did not re-sign Zane McIntyre after last season because he was the solid AHL-level goaltender that played well in net, game in, game out, and basically saved their bacon last season. And so what were they going to do about that coming into this season? They signed Pat Nagel. Lo and behold, he's been pretty much the same kind of guy in net. And I was so relieved and he's been so reliable. He got that Olympics bid, which was such an honor for him. And I think just was a good reward for the kind of play mm-hmm. that he's been doing for the Phantoms all year long. And I agree with you. I would want to re-sign him now and lock him up for next season. And I worry that they're not going to because they're going to want to push their drafted goaltending depth right. a little bit more. Unfortunately, I think that's the way they're going. It's also cheaper to go that way, too. But I really feel like Nagel's been good. And, you know, since he was on the Olympic team, they thought enough of them to be on that. Uh, it is good to have him around the younger goalies. I, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Absolutely. 100% agree. And, you know, his work ethic is a good example for them yeah. as well. 
And it is kind of a weird situation going into next season because Felix Sandstrom is ostensibly going to compete for the job as a backup to Carter Hart. But is he? Is he? That's the question. He's going um, to try. He's and, going to try. I'm not sure he's he's going to be given the chance. I was asking around about that mm-hmm. recently, and there is a feeling that they're still going to go and sign some other veteran backup. So there is a chance of that happening. I just wonder that, and I I think that's going to be their first choice, but I just wonder because of the cap situation, if they're going to want to go with Sandstrom as the first choice, just because of budget reasons. It could turn into that, but if they have designs on someone who they think they can get for a million bucks or less, mm-hmm. they may still go that route feel like, feeling like they need to um, protect Carter Hart's starts. I get that in theory, but it's not like Sandstrom's a kid anymore, and I think he showed pretty good poise when he was yeah. up. I really wouldn't do that, but knowing how um, Chuck Fletcher operates, I think it's probably a 60-40 that that's what they're going to do. 60-40 that they'll sign that, a, a backup. They'll sign a veteran backup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you knowing, again, Chuck Fletcher, he's a low-risk guy, and I think that yeah. he's going to see Felix Anstrom as a risk, even though I wouldn't, and it sounds like yep. you wouldn't either. Nope. Uh, because I, we're in this weird funnel now where I think Ustamenko is, ne- is not going to pan out. I, yeah, I, just, I agree. I think they should cut their losses with him, to be honest. But we're in a situation where Sam Erson was supposed to have taken a step forward this season, but we don't know what his status is anymore because of the injuries. And we deserve to give him a chance, I think. No, no, and I think That's he'll, for sure. he'll have that chance. I, right. I'd be shocked if anything other than that happens. So then if Sam Erson is getting a chance with the Phantoms and you want to sign Pat Nagel, that squeezes Sandstrom out in some way. No, it's going to squeeze Pat Nagel out if they sign a veteran backup. Like, that's what's going well, to happen. Well, that's, true. that's and, true. And that's where it'll get a little sad because they would never look at Pat Nagel as a guy who could play in the NHL. But if it's for a starter or two and you're not a, a big competing team, I don't see the harm. We've seen worse goalies go up there, and that's not a slight to Pat Nagel. He's a pretty good goalie. But if he doesn't do well, who cares? But – if you're getting a guy just to protect the Carter Hart starts, then you must feel like you're going to be competing on some level. And I, I again, I don't see why if you have at and again, so this is this is where you have to look in the mirror. They're not going to look in the mirror and say we're probably not making the playoffs, guys. So if we have Hart up here and he, you know, plays sixty percent of the time and Sandstrom forty, that'll work. Like that's a season. That's good. They're probably thinking in their minds. They're going to do better this offseason. And in their minds, they can't make the playoffs if Sandstrom's playing that many games. Like, you get what I'm saying? I think that's the thought process. No, I 100% agree that that's what their mindset is. It's just that if you look at last season, you look at this season, we've needed a veteran AHL goaltender to get us through the season both years. Why would next year be different? Right. That's my question back to them. The veteran's going to be Sandstrom because he's, what, 23? Yeah. I guess, if he'll sign, right? Yeah, he will. So then, of course, we there's the mystery of Ivan Fedotov. You know, I'm assuming he would only come over if he's playing at the NHL level. I don't assume that, but it's a, it's a fair assumption if they're going to offer him good money in the KHL, which they probably will. So I think right. 
Yeah, I think it's a 70-30 with that. You never know. If if they had him come over and say, listen, we want you to start in the AHL, but once you feel comfortable, we'll call you up and you could be the backup, then that's great. Again, would Chuck take that chance? Probably not. That's what yeah. kind of muddies that up. But that would be fine by me too because, again, I have enough faith in him based on the other Russian goalies. And, again, look, he's not on the level of Shesterk and Sorokin, right? We push them aside. But Kochikov is a good example of guys that can play in the KHL that can transition their game to the NHL. Now, some might say, well, he didn't face that many shots, but whatever. He's already won an NHL game, and they're going to be going with him some more. And he was a second-round pick, and he was good internationally. Fedotov took a little while, but he does seem to have a little pedigree here. And I don't see why you wouldn't treat him like one of those second kind of tier, really good Russian goalies. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a conundrum what the Flyers are going to do and what the Phantoms are going to do with goaltending over this offseason. But it's something that's very important to this organization. And we should be concerned about it and we should keep an eye on it and ask the right questions because I think it'll be an absolutely crucial element of their plan. I mean, look, if you ask them, they're going to tell everybody, look, they're going to name off all these guys and they're going to say, we got it. But, you know, it's still about but who, usage. what, where means a lot. Right. It does. It's about usage. Yeah. All right. Well, the Phantoms have one more week of games coming up. One tonight against Springfield. We've got a Wednesday game against Cleveland and then finishing up Saturday, of course, against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Because who else? Who else? Would, <laughs> who else would they finish up the season against? All right. Well, we were joking about it the other day on the show about this becoming Locked On Royals because the Reading Royals are our playoff team in the organization. Yep. And they are up two games to nothing in their first round playoff series against the Maine Mariners. And they're having a watch party for game three, which is in Maine. Uh, ECHL does it 2-3-2 in terms of home road game. So they're on the road for the next uh, two and potentially three games, depending on who wins. And so that is our fun thing is following Reading along in their playoff run in the Kelly Cup. Yeah, I mean, look, Millman's had a great year for them. I can't seem to access their playoff stats, so I don't know how Millman's doing in the playoffs, but he's a key guy. And at this point, it's very odd that he is going to be the one prospect that matters in the future that will keep playing. Like, it's just there's something odd about it, but maybe in a way this is going to work out better for him. I don't know if the Flyers planned it this way, I kind of like think they don't, didn't based on the way this worked out, but this could be a help to Millman, I suppose. We'll see how that goes. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We are going to be back tomorrow. We are going to talk about the last couple of games of the season, preview the matchup against the Jets, and we'll have our mailbag. So get those questions in. You can send them to us via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen, Locked On NHL. It's all the information about everything going on around the league, including the playoffs as they get started. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.